And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, March the 12th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1496, Jews were expelled from Syria. Today in 1789, the U.S. Post Office was established. Today in 1912, the Girl Scouts of the USA had its beginnings. Juliet Gordon Lowe of Savannah, Georgia, she set up a, a troop. She called it the Girl Guides later became known as the Girl Scouts. Today, in 1925, Chinese revolutionary leader Sun Yat-sen, he died in Beijing. Today, in 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt delivered the first of his 30 radio addresses that came they came to be known as the Fireside Chats, mm-hmm. telling Americans what was being done to deal with the nation's economic crisis. Today, in 1945, Anne Frank, you know, the girl that wrote the diary, she died in German in a German concentration camp today in 1945. Today in 1993, Janet Reno, Bill Clinton's person, was sworn in as the first female U.S. Attorney General. And today in 1994, the Church of England ordained its first women priests. And today in 2003, Elizabeth Smart, remember the 15-year-old girl? She vanished from her bedroom nine months Earlier, she was found alive in Salt Lake City. She was found alive in, in a Salt Lake City suburb with two drifters, Brian David Mitchell and Wanda Barzee. They had gotten into her room and had kidnapped her. And she had lived with them under the thumb of this idiot, Brian David Mitchell. Mitchell's serving a life sentence. He's still in prison. Barzee got out in September of 2018. One year ago today, prosecutors said Hollywood stars Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin were charged along with nearly 50 other people in a scheme in which wealthy parents bribed college coaches and other insiders to get their children into some, some of the most elite schools in the country. Well, what used to be an elite school, you have to wonder today with the product that they're putting out, It's become not so much education, but indoctrination. You have to wonder if any of the schools in our public system are elite anymore. I do, at least. I think many of you do as well. I'm going to take a little different tack today on this program. We, as you know, we originate live. We're delayed uh, on some stations in some markets now, uh, but always on the same day. As you know, there's a lot going on in our world today. I want to just introduce you to a couple of things that are going on. And then I want to talk to you about an incident in the Bible. at Second Chronicles chapter 20. It begins with this in chapter 20. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against us from beyond the sea. And verse 3 says, And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. There's a lot of fear in our culture today, and there is reason for some fear. Yesterday, Washington Governor Inslee, I'm going to come back to chapter 20. In a few moments, Second Chronicles chapter 20. I know this isn't Sunday morning and I'm not 
the pastor at the pulpit, but we're going to kind of revert to that for a few minutes this morning. I want to preach you a little short sermon that I think the Lord wants you to hear, and he wants me to hear it as well. Yesterday, Washington Governor Inslee announced that, quote, public gatherings and events of more than 250 people will be banned in Pierce, King, and Snohomish counties as the state is trying to slow down the spread of coronavirus. The prohibition will run through March. It's likely to be extended, he said, possibly for months. It could also be extended to other counties, depending on the spread of the virus. I am not a fan of Governor Inslee, as you would know if you listen to this program. But I support what he's trying to do. I think it's in the best interest. I don't feel it's overly politicized. I could be wrong. But he said the three counties impacted have been chosen because they are experiencing significant community transmission, significant outbreaks, and they are large population centers. He added that the state can enforce the ban, but he said, I don't expect that we will have to do that. I expect that everyone will comply. In other words, we will enforce the ban, particularly on assembly. And I realize that's a constitutional issue, but there is states do have that power. Most of them do. I think all of them do. I know what Washington does. So they're taking this step. He said he's asking all school districts to begin contingency planning for the potential school closures the next few days. Inslee said yesterday that Washington could reach 64,000 people infected, 600 to 1,900 deaths. Pierce County Executive Bruce Damier also noted, and it was reported in the Tacoma Tribune, that this action will impact many religious services. Obviously it will. Although many churches have been planning, he said, for this kind of action. He said some churches, including my own, will be live streaming their services. We have not been here for a long time, if ever, in America. Washington, now Oregon, has followed with the limit on how many people can assemble, 250 or less. At least 12 cruise lines have or are shutting down their cruises as of today. Until further notice, Princess Cruise announced this morning no more cruises for at least two months, then we'll reevaluate. Sporting events are being canceled. The NBA is shut down. Shut down. This is their big time of the year, headed into the playoffs. No more games until further notice. They announced yesterday that the Utah Jazz, one of their players, had the coronavirus, had tested positive. Now this morning, they've announced that another one on the same team, the Utah Jazz, has tested positive. I'm sure there will be others in the league. Germany announced this morning that now they expect 70% of the country to be infected with the coronavirus. Actor Tom Hanks and his wife were in the news last night. They're in Australia. He's filming a, a movie there. They both tested positive yesterday for coronavirus. There's chaos in the world airports. There's stories coming from world airports this morning that people are shoving and hitting each other, trying to get online to get on airplanes to get out of certain places in this world. I think most of us know it began a couple of days ago. It's continuing today. The stock market is plunging. It's gyrating. It's going Mm -hmm. a thousand up and a thousand down. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
The left is attacking President Trump, some of the left, from his speech last night. The first headline that came out of the far-left media, Huffington Post, was, was to the effect that the administration's office, the White House, is disagreeing with the president's speech last night. That isn't true. That's a lie. But they're putting it out there this morning to try to stir up more anxiety and more distrust in the public. President Trump gave an excellent speech last night. I thought he did well. He didn't get off topic and say stupid things like he does sometimes, and I support him. He stayed on topic and he stayed with the message. He was obviously staying with his with his reader, but what he what he didn't say were, were a couple of details that weren't filled in. The press on the left is trying to exploit that today. The president banned travel from Europe except UK for 30 days. That's a bold move. He had already done that earlier and was praised by most of the medical field for stopping flights from China some time ago. They said he was too early. Schumer, Pelosi criticized him to high heaven. We live in a very volatile world. The Seattle Times, and I'm sure this is true around the country, the Seattle Times put out this morning a kind of a rundown on what's happening. Washington State is kind of ground zero for infections. I think all of us know that. Governor Jay Inslee i just go through this rundown. This is as of the moment. Things are changing by the moment. Governor Jay Inslee's ban on gatherings of more than 250 people is highly likely to extend past the month, he says this morning. Can he really do this? The Seattle Times asks. Yes. He's using his emergency powers in a way that's rarely seen. They say without social distancing, 400 people could die from coronavirus in western Washington by April 7th new modeling. Apparently they've created some some kind of computer programming or something, new modeling algorithms or whatever for major research institutions. They're, they're suggesting that. That's an important number, but so are the vast numbers of patients who recover. In regards to business, you can't build jets, the Times says, and they're right, while working from home. So Boeing and other manufacturers are striving to keep the virus out Starbucks and Amazon, both Seattle-based, have retooled their paid leave policies. And local hospitality uh, workers are taking a huge hit. Indeed, they are. The restaurants are, some restaurants are closing just because nobody's coming there. Transportation, buses, trains, ferries are running with far fewer riders. Interestingly, though, one thing, and I'm not going to criticize him, not today, But Inslee is suggesting they add more buses. To me, that's an odd... I mean, I know the left is committed to mass transit. I mean, that's part of their Bible. I I understand that. But I'm not sure why adding buses, cramming people into those buses, is consistent with the rest of the actions he's taking. I don't know. Anyway, restaurants, some of them, as I said, are temporarily closing. In fact, uh, Tom Douglas, who's kind of a famed Seattle chef, he's temporarily closed 12 of his 13 restaurants. He's talking about his hopes of reopening. He's talking, he's worried about all the people that work for him. He doesn't want to lose them. He doesn't want to see them get hurt. 
the Mariners fans won't be at T-Mobile Park on opening day. The team is looking at options. Soccer has been affected. Postponed next games coming up, not only in Washington State, but elsewhere. Oregon is following suit. Major theaters, different events all being canceled. They're slammed by the virus. Fear is almost becoming more damaging than the virus itself. And now churches. Churches who have more than 250 in attendance cannot assemble under this ruling in Washington and Oregon. And I I am certain as I speak live at the moment, there are other states considering it, perhaps even announcing it as I'm speaking. We live in unusual times, perilous times, really. This coronavirus is, is said, I... I'm not an expert on that, but I I said here a few days ago, and some of you who listen regular will remember this. I said, man, I I think this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better because what I was reading didn't match up with oh, it's just kind of like a common cold or or even the flu. I I don't know. It was just me, but I'm thinking, and you know, older people are more are more susceptible to it, and, and I mean they're the most vulnerable. And uh, I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad I'm not one of <laughs> All of us who are over 40 have to consider that as well, don't we? I wrote an article today on our regular Faith and Freedom Daily. I was going to talk to you at some length about it, a little bit, at least 10, 15 minutes. I was going to talk to you a little bit about it, about Bernie Sanders. He really burned the press. He burned Joe Biden and he burned... He burned really the Democratic Party yesterday. And I was going to talk to you about how that, the politics of that and what it means to America and how America, and and I'm encouraged to see even the far left Democratic Party kind of pushing back on socialism. I mean, they haven't become moderate, and God forbid they haven't become conservative, but at least they've pushed back. I'm talking about the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, and all these guys that run the Democratic Party. At least they pushed back on communist socialism. And they're trying to get rid of Bernie, and he won't go away. Yesterday he'd announced a press release, and of course everybody after he, he had lost, and, and he's leading, they're still counting in Washington State, but at the moment I was told he's... Joe Biden is leading Bernie, and Bernie should have won Washington, but that's still up at the moment. But he lost in a number of states, and some of which he should have won. So everybody assumed, including yours truly, that this big press conference that he called, he would be at his home, and the press came to his home in Vermont, and he was going to make a statement. I just assumed he was going to, as they say, suspend his candidacy or his campaign for the presidency, because it... it, 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 it would take a miracle. I believe in miracles, but I don't know if I believe that miracle would happen. It would take a miracle for Bernie to pull it out now because his party is hands down against him and he doesn't have the delegates based on the primary elections. Everybody's run to Joe Biden, interestingly enough, on the left. So it was assumed that Bernie would would pull out of the race. Well, he steps to the podium at exactly 1 o'clock Eastern time, as he had said he would do, and he started in on his, this violent tirade against uh, the president, Trump, 
And then he went into, and he said he was giving words and lines like setting it up to say, today I am suspending, but I'm going to fight on for my socialism beliefs and so on. He didn't do that. He captured the audience, the biggest audience the press could really get for him, probably his biggest audience as far as media. And he told them he wasn't dropping out. He said, I'm looking forward to debating Joe Biden on Sunday. And he said, it'll be one-on-one. And I have a lot of questions for him. He went through all the questions and he just turned that into a big PR piece for himself. The Democrat Party was shocked. The press was shocked. I mean, they were saying, we can't believe it. We thought he was going to withdraw. So anyway, I was going to talk to you about that and some of the implications of that. But let's, let's turn again in our Bibles as I would say if I were in the pulpit on a Sunday morning or some other time. The Second Chronicles chapter 20. I really feel like the Lord put this on my heart today in this program to share with you. I read the first couple of verses, verse 3 of chapter 20, Second Chronicles, and Joseph and Josephat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. The first thing he did when the fear was overwhelming was what you and I probably do. When the fear, and fear is fairly alive and well in this whole virus episode. A lot of people are afraid. They're fighting over toilet paper in stores across the country. Some of it's been caught on video. That's fear. I mean, toilet paper is important, but that's fear. So he turned to the Lord. And that, of course, is the first clue that we get is, what do you do when the fear is overwhelming? You turn to the Lord. You seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Verse 4, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then in verse 5, the Bible says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all of the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. Of course, God has called Abraham his friend. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, verse 9, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in your affliction, and you will hear and save. O our God, will you not judge them, the enemy, he's saying, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming up against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I'm going to continue, but let's pause for a moment. Fear comes upon you. You look at the enemy, and it's overwhelming. There's really... Not a whole lot that you and I or anyone else in the world can do about this virus. We can wash our hands, and we should, and we can clean the surfaces, and we should, and I think people are doing that. I mean, you can't buy soap anymore. I mean, that hand soap stuff. You can't buy Purell. I mean, hardly. 
They get it in and it goes out. Everybody, somebody will walk by and buy it all. So there are things that we can do in this crisis and we should be doing. There is no nothing in Scripture that suggests that we just become negligent in doing what we can do. And this story in Second Chronicles chapter 20 gives us the idea that that the, the people of God are doing all they can do, but they're faced with this overwhelming enemy. And they know that ultimately they can't win in a battle. And they know that they don't have the wherewithal to go out and wipe these people out. So they turn to God. And I, I, just, had to, I just had to remember as I read this verse this morning, and I know there are those that listen to this program in Seattle area and in central and eastern Washington where I grew up, was born and raised. And I know some of you know me from my childhood, and I know you'll remember this. But remember that song we used to sing in church before we started writing new songs for every Sunday and playing with drums and guitar? And I, I'm, I'm for that. We, we, I, I was a pastor. I get all that. But remember when we used to sing simple little songs and gospel songs and hymns? And remember the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That was embedded in my heart as a kid, and I wasn't exactly an altar boy, but I was in church times, multiple times per week. And I remember those songs. I remember those choruses. They're deeply embedded in my heart. And turning our eyes upon Jesus, looking full in his wonderful face, and excluding and that seeing the world, the things of the world grow strangely dim, that's the attraction of the world, but all of the issues of the world, it doesn't mean that we're in denial. It simply means that there is grace that is greater than all of our sins and all of our struggles and our challenges. And that's what these people are saying all these years ago. Oh, our God, will you not judge them, the enemy? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming up against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes, our eyes are upon you, God. We're looking to you as our salvation. Interesting, the writer included verse 13. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, their children, stood before the Lord. The family was there. It was a family matter. Everybody was at risk. Verse 14 says, Then then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah. Verse 15, And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah, and you, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord. And when the Bible says, Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Here is what the Lord said. To them and to you and to me. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. Oh man, that was the last thing they wanted to do was go down against them because they'd already evaluated it medically or in this case militarily. And they said, man, we can't win this. Not a chance. But God said, 
the battle is mine, it's not yours. And you will take up arms tomorrow. Now, again, we're called to do all we can do humanly. And the Bible says, and I'm skipping some verses for the sake of time, and the Bible says Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The emphasis was on worshiping the Lord, trusting the, the Lord. So the next morning they rose, verse verse uh, 26, they, so they rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness as, as they were told to do. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who would sing to the Lord and they sang, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they went out to face this battle that they knew they could not win in their own in their own strength, they were shocked. As they looked out, the enemies, briefly, I don't have time to go through it in Scripture this morning, but essentially, the enemies had destroyed themselves. They were all dead. And God had brought them through this great challenge. They went through the challenge. But God honored and blessed them as they worshipped him kept their focus on God, did everything they could do humanly, and just trusted the Lord and praised his name. And it concludes with verse 29, And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And verse 30 says, Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. God is a fortress. God is a high tower. God is our security. God is our hiding place. The Bible is full of promises. This is a time to do everything you can do humanly possible to take care of yourself during this horrible scourge that has come upon the world. But it's also a time to trust the Lord. Don't be overcome by fear. Don't become a captive of fear. Don't become don't don't become paralyzed by fear because that isn't God's will for you and that isn't God doesn't work that way. Be vigilant, be wise, be informed, but trust the Lord. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't let fear paralyze your life. We will get through this. Because God is faithful. And I believe that's a word from the Lord for you today. Take it. It's not my word. It's his word. You take that and you live on that. On that, Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. We're not in denial. We're just trusting the Lord. We know what's going on. But we know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you so much for being with me today. Have a great day. Thank you for your support. We'll see you right here tomorrow.